All right. Good morning, church. You know, even though those were just two songs, I hadn't heard that second song in a long time. Man, you know. um, And it's not just an emotional response, right? But it evokes something out of you when you realize, like, man, the, the, the grace, the mercy that I've been shown and the fact that you're free from the shackles of sin and death. And you can rejoice in the freedom that you have in Christ, that you're, you're redeemed, right? We always talk about this. It's not just eternal life. Right now, you can enjoy that, that, uh, that unity, that bond, that relationship with Jesus on an everyday basis. And so uh, thank you, Isaiah and Michelle, for leading us in a time of worship and praise in that. Um, I do have one thing to share real quick. Uh, so as you guys know, my wife has, uh, you know, stepped down from full time, uh, you know, working for quite some time now and her, her hours are part time. So with that, uh, you know, through prayer, we've we waited a long time when I had first uh, uh, had been called into this position as a senior pastor. I was like, well, I have a job. I don't want to take any money from the church. And, it, you know, I went for quite some time without receiving um, anything. And uh then that changed and the housing allowance I have been receiving has been $500 a month. We've been, you know, that's definitely helped with us, uh, you know, being able to, to pay for things and that sort. Um, with my wife uh, cutting her hours, uh, I've asked uh, the leadership to be in prayer about it. But uh, at the end of this month, I'll be raising that housing allowance from $500 a month to $1,000 a month. So I'm just, I'm just sharing that. Well, I'm just sharing that, you know, just trying to be transparent, right, and clear about it because I think it's shady when, you know, <laughs> you know, the pastor's like receiving money and then it's like, well, okay, well, one, what are you spending it on? Two, how much are you receiving? Can we verify that this is true? And so, um, again, I know this is just a technical thing, but if you ever want to see the records and the books, all that information is open for you at any point in time. So if you want to cross-check it's totally fine with me. I'm okay with that. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, if we had it our way, uh, you know, my wife wouldn't work. I mean, at some point, that would be great. But, uh, you know, for now, like you said, it's the Bay Area. And, you know, working parents, that's just part of the gig. So, all right. With that, we are in Acts chapter 27. Uh, we will be going through verses 13 down through 26 this morning. So, when you get there, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. We will read the passage this morning, and then we will get into our text. I'm very excited as uh, you know, we're, we're accompanying Paul on, on this journey, and, and he's on his fourth uh, voyage at sea, and it's been getting pretty hectic here, and we'll, we'll check it out now. So Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 13, and it says, Now when the south wind blew gently supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor at the, and sailed along Crete close to the shore. Excuse me. But soon a tempestuous, tempestuous wind, there you go, called the northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship caught sail and could not face the wind, we gave to it, and were driven along, running along the lee of a small island called Cadia, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, 
they use supports to undergird the ship, then fearing that they would run aground on the Styrius. They lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Verse 18, since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest laid on us, all hoped of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they, had, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, this is very important here, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail for Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who will sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must go, we must run aground on some island. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for just this time to gather as a part of your body, Lord, and and hear from you, Lord. May you speak to us from your text, Lord. The Bible is self-explanatory as it speaks for itself, Lord. Show us where Jesus is in the text this morning. Show us how uh, this situation is applicable to our lives. We we may not sail it all uh, out to sea, Lord, but there are many uh, storms that come in and out of our lives on a daily basis. So, Father, please uh, encourage, correct, reprove us, convict us, Lord. Do the work that only you could do in our hearts. We thank you and love you. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated, church. I've entitled this message, I Believe God. Uh, it's interesting, right? Many people say, I, I believe in God. Uh, as we know, and we'll get into this later, I mean, even the demons believe that God exists. But, but, but I believe God. That, that belief of God being the supreme being and, and, and Him having all power and all sovereignty over any circumstance and any situation. This is what Paul believed and this is what kept Paul girded in the midst of a crazy situation. A crazy situation on board a ship. You know, I'm, I'm a land person. I, I really don't. I don't do the water too much. We went to the beach not too long ago, and, you know, it was a feat just for me to, you know, go, I don't know, 15 feet into the ocean. I'm like, uh, I'm not going somewhere where I don't know what's lurking underneath the water. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little scaredy cat when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, these men were on this boat, and they were traveling, and things got pretty intense. So, again, last week we started this trip with the Apostle Paul. They were on this Alexandrian ship, and they were heading out for Italy. Remember, there were prisoners on board that were going to basically get fed to the lions and and fight as gladiators in the Colosseum, and they also had cargo. They had goods from Egypt that were going down to Italy to be sold to Rome and, and whatnot, and Paul was part of this fleet of prisoners that was aboard this ship. Uh... God had revealed to Paul that it was going to get nasty on the sea, that it wasn't going to be pretty. You know, um, 
Who's ever gone whale watching before down in Monterey? What is it, Princess Cruises Line, whatever? Did, were you guys good? Did you guys, do you guys throw up at all? <laughs> do you take the Dramamine? I remember, I remember when me and Veronica were dating, right? Uh, that was one place, you know, I was like, let's go down there. Let's go hang out. And, you know, we went down there and, <laughs> you know, we didn't take any Dramamine. I, I ate a little something. She didn't have anything. And I remember there was this one little boy. And I saw him before, and he had a big bowl of clam chowder. And I called, I said, this boy's going to throw up. <laughs> this boy's going to throw up. Sure enough, 30 minutes out to sea, and, it, and, and Veronica's the one. She's like, I, I want to go to the front of the boat. You want to go to the front of the boat? That's where it's the choppiest. That's where when the waves hit, it's not cool to be right there. I'm like, let me go in the middle where it's, like, safe. I'm not trying to be in the front or in the back. You're tripping. Well, anyways, long story short... I look over at that same boy. Yep, he has a barf bag. He starts throwing up. Hey, who, who's ever seen Stand By Me? Remember Stand By Me when they had the dream and, 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 and it was the pie eating contest and, and, and he just pigs out and, he, and all of a sudden he starts barfing. And he barfs on the person next to him and then the other person starts barfing. And then the judges are barfing. Everyone's covered in barf, even the crowd. Well, that's kind of what happened on that boat because it started with that boy and it was, I shouldn't have talked smack because I ended up throwing up. And Veronica ended up throwing up too, and we were all throwing up. All that to say, it's just I, you know, it's probably a silly picture. <laughs> I hope the next day was better. There was a guy hanging over the side, throwing up, and his wife is over about ten feet over, hanging over the side with a video. Oh, oh man, I'm glad we no pictures were taken, no pictures this time, just a mental note. But that might be a silly story, right? But I'm trying to paint the picture if you will, of what these men were going through on this ship. Obviously, it was way more intense than being on that little princess cruiser going to see some whales in Monterey, though it can get pretty choppy out there on the Pacific Ocean. But the Lord had spoke to Paul and told him that there was going to be some intense uh, things going on with the weather. He had spoken to the, uh, the, the centurion, and the centurion was in charge of communicating to the captain of the ship. Well, the captain of the ship and the centurion didn't typically agree with Paul. Um, mainly, it was because, again, the centurion was responsible for guarding the prisoners that were going to Rome. Also, he was responsible for the care of the goods that were taken from Egypt to Rome. And we all know the way Caesar was cutthroat about things. If something didn't show up, it would have been the centurion's life taken out so he said you know what against all odds we're still going to push on because we have too much financially to lose and so they didn't listen to paul but now they're stuck in the middle of this storm paul had warned them with good godly counsel but they ignored the godly counsel and now they find themselves in the thick of this storm today we will learn a few very important biblical truths like i had said in prayer uh, into this message, you may not go on a ship. You may be on land all the time, but there are still many storms of life that will come into your life. Uh, who's heard the saying, you're either going into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or coming out of a storm. That is the Christian life. That is what we go through. Uh, it's bad enough that you're going to go through that as just a person living without the Holy Spirit in you. But when you're a Christian, you at least have 
a little more foresight, or you should, as you spiritually mature, to be able to see the warning signs of things to come. And you can better prepare yourself in the sense of being prayed up, being girded up in the truth, the Word of God, to help you guard your mind when you're in these circumstances that are not favorable in your life. And when the storms of life are beating upon your life. The first main point is this. This is a beautiful thing. God always keeps his promises. Amen. God always keeps his promises. And, and, and you may hear these things and you may be like, this is elementary. Tell me something different. I can't tell you something different because this is what is in the text. This is so important that God has clarified this. We must hear this. We must hear this over and over and over again. Let our minds be saturated with this truth that He always keeps His promises. You see, we've all made promises in this room that we didn't keep. <laughs> Nobody said amen to that. I'll be the first one to say amen. We have all made promises that we did not keep. We also have had promises made to us by other human beings that did not keep those promises. Amen? They broke their promise. Somebody said they were going to do something. Somebody said they were going to show up at a certain time. First of all, they didn't show up. Second of all, they didn't call to let you know they didn't show up. They just ducked out. And they hid from you for a couple months and came back around when they thought you forgot. Like, it's all good. The world is shifty and so unstable, right? Many find it hard to trust anyone at all. There's so much going on. There's so much circulating in the world right now. Just, just with all this stuff, with the coronavirus and, 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 and should I get the vaccine or not? And, you know, I've heard stories of, you know, people telling me, you know, the vaccine that they're giving to people is not the same vaccine that they're giving to the people that are in office. What? I don't, I don't know. And honestly, I don't care. The reality is God keeps his promises. And even though this world is shifty and shaky and you get misinformation and different tidbits of information from different people, go to God and he will give you counsel. He will give you wisdom for that particular instance and moment in your life where you don't have to be all stressed out. Do I do it? Do I not do it? Have you brought it to the Lord in prayer? Has he given you peace about the situation or is your soul restless about it? You see, spiritually speaking, those are two uh, telltale signs of whether or not the Lord is telling you to go forth with something or maybe you should hold back. Maybe you should stop and wait and kind of let things pass before you go on with that decision. But you see, we have to be spiritually aware of this. But in our text today, we are reminded of the promises that God makes and how he is faithful and true to always come through. And that's a beautiful thing. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey with God. And I don't know if this week has been a great week where you've been on the mountaintop or this week has been one of those weeks where you're in the valley and you're just getting beat up. Maybe you've had a Job type week and you're just like, I just, I'm just, uh. I'm just, you know, I'm done. I, I don't have any energy, Lord. If you don't give me the strength, I can't make it to the next moment. Trust that God will keep his promises. Faithful. The word faithful. It's defined as true to the facts. I, I like that specific definition 
Because it's straight up. It's straight forward to what faithful means in a biblical tense. There's no funny business here, right? There's no, there's no deferring to another position because plans didn't work out or deviating to another default position because, well, well, things are not the way that I would like them to be. They're not favorable for me. No, this is not how the Lord is. The Lord is faithful. He is true to the facts of Himself. We all know what the word holy means, right? Holy, in essence, means set apart. He is holy, right? We are His creation. He is the Creator. Nothing or no one created Him. We are, like, if you are wearing a pair of Vans, there's someone who created Van shoes. We're like the shoes. He's the Creator of the shoes. No, no one created Him. He lives outside of space and time. And so that's why he's faithful because he's holy and he's set apart. He always keeps his word. He, he actually, he cannot go against what he's decreed to be righteous and true because that would be in violation of his character, which he can't be because he's God almighty. He's holy and he's true. He always keeps his word. He had shown Paul that he was going to get to Rome. He had shown him, Paul, you are going to stand before Caesar. You are going to stand before kings and rulers of the earth and proclaim this truth of the gospel, right? So men and women could be saved, especially men and women in prominent positions. You know that it's very difficult for someone with a lot of wealth to spiritually get saved. Because whenever there's a problem or an issue, when I have a whole lot of money... Man, money solves a whole lot of problems when it comes to the world, right? When it comes to the world's problems, you could just throw some money at it and be okay. And this, this is one of the main reasons why the Lord had decreed that Paul was going to go before these leaders. You know, we should never think that the Lord didn't want Claudius Caesar to be saved. Or he didn't want any of these other leaders to be saved. He wants men and women of prominent positions to be saved just as much as he wants the lowly beggar to be saved. His desire is that all of his creation come to repentance and forgiveness and receive salvation in Jesus Christ. And so this is what we see here with the Lord revealing to Paul, you're going to make it to Rome. But, you know, the Lord didn't say how he was going to get there. God didn't say, well, you're going to get there and everything's going to be blissful and you're going to be, you know, laying on a bed of roses and everything's going to be calm and peaceful. He didn't say that. But he did say, I guarantee you, you're going to get there. You know, and, and, and this is the situation that we are in today. You're, you're going to get saved. You're saved if you've uh, submitted yourself before Jesus Christ. You're going to get to heaven one day, right? But the Lord doesn't say that everything is just going to be a bed of roses on your road to heaven. Right? There's going to be things that are going to come. There's going to be times where it's going to be peaceful. But there's other, there's other times when it's going to be super hectic. But the cool thing about serving the Lord is, did you know that you could have utter peace in the midst of your storm? You literally can. But it's determined upon who you look to. Who do you look to in the midst of your storm? Do you look to Jesus Christ? Or do you just complain? Or do you just grumble? Or do you regret? Some people say, oh, I wish I didn't even serve Jesus because then I wouldn't be going through this. Our minds get into way whacked out places, can get to whacked out places in the midst of our storm if we're not grounded, if we're not centered, if we're not secure, if we're not hunkered down with the anchor who is our rock, who is Jesus Christ. You see, Paul not only believed in God, 
but he believed God. He said, I trust you, Lord. I trust you with my life. I trust what you say. He took God at his word that he was going to see Paul all the way to Rome. And this is what we need in our lives today. We need to take God at his word. I brought up Job earlier. Remember, Job took God at his word. He said, Lord, naked I came into this world, naked I come out. But I will not denounce the name of Jesus Christ. I will not denounce my God. I will praise you all the more for you give and you take away. And that should be our position today. No matter where you find yourself, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Because even upon death for the Christian, you're instantly going to go be with the Lord. You know, you're not going to experience purgatory or anything like that, you know. And, uh, you know, you think of people, you know, old martyrs back in the day, you know, where they are burned at the stake singing praises to the Lord. How do you do that? Well, (laughs) they're grounded in Christ. You know, yes, physically it's painful, but, you know, we need to be aware of who God is, because He has the power to not only allow physical pain into our lives, but spiritual pain can come too. He's the only one who can cast someone into hell. Or actually, we cast ourselves into hell because we denounce Him and don't proclaim Him. Whereas the world, all they could do is physically hurt you, but no one can tarnish or mess up your soul. That's something the individual gives over. You see, that's why it's so important that we stay girded in Christ. Because even the devil can't do anything to you unless you allow him to, right? And that's the, that's the whole reason to be so steeped in the Word of God that you're entrenched in it, you're drunken with the Holy Spirit so that you, you're aware of what's going on around you so you're not deceived, right? There are many deceptive voices out in the world today in our culture that are trying to lead people this way and that way and people that don't have a good framework of who Jesus Christ is, unfortunately, they're being led because they don't, they don't know the truth. They don't know the truth. They know a relative truth, you know? That's that whole thing of, well, you could believe in God, but I believe that, yeah, there's one true God and there's all kind of other gods, you know? We, we, we don't believe that. We don't believe in all these other supposed gods. It's a monotheist, theistic. I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but it's one God. One God. It's the God man Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the triune Godhead. That is who is the creator of the world. And we need to know who he is. And so I encourage you, you know, throughout the week, engage in your reading with of the Bible. Engage with your time with the Lord. Let him speak to your heart. Get get the word deep in you. Right? So then when you see stuff on the news or you see people chattering this and that or trying to, you know, trying to influence you to go a certain way, you, you can take a stand. You don't got to smash on them and be rude and disrespectful, but you could be like, no, that's not, that's not right. You know, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. You know, as Christians, we get attacked, it seems like, the most. What Everyone else can believe what they believe and do what they want to do, but the, the time and the moment we say, no, uh, this is not right. You know, uh, teaching young children that they could be whatever sex they want, that, that, that's, 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 that's not okay, right? There's a, there is a teacher, uh, I think in West Virginia, that spoke, up, spoke out against that, and they reprimanded uh, all their stuff. But you know what? Praise God. That's a miracle that a Christian actually had the backbone, the courage enough, 
in a setting like that to say, you know what? I'm not going to lead that child astray. I'm not going to have that on my conscience saying, no, it's okay. You can, you can, you can be Jimmy even though you're Sally. That, no, God made you who you are. I don't care. You can, you can recreate all that on the outside. You can try to recreate all this up in your inners. But God formed you in your mother's womb the way he fashioned you. Right? It's really a sin issue. They're not they're they're no more sinners than we're sinners. They just have a, a different bend towards a different type of sin. But call it what it is, it's sin. Right? This second main point is this. It stems from the first one about God keeping his promises. You will live out your ordained purposes in Christ no matter what. I love this verse. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 27 tells us, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? You know, this is all speaking to, you know, whatever you're going through, you're going to live out your ordained time. The Lord has a purpose and a time for every person on the planet. The people that were, were born in the first century were born in the first century for a reason. Uh, people that are, I don't know, what are they now, millennials? Or I don't know what you call them. People that were born in the 2000s, they're born in the 2000s for whatever reason. You're alive and ticking right now because your ordained time is not up on this planet. Right, And until that time punches out, you're going to be alive and the Lord expects you to grow in him, continue to be sanctified and do whatever he calls you to do up until that point. Meaning whatever God said is going to happen, it's going to happen. Nothing in the universe can change that. I love Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. This is one of my favorite verses. This is one of our uh, you know, memory verses in, 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 our, in my family. And you know, I love it, you know. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Tell the Lord what you need and thank Him for all He has done. It's like, why are we stressed out? Why are we tripping out on this and that and what's going to happen and blah, 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 and who, you know, and this, that, and the governor this, and this person that, and the politics this. Why are we tripping? God said, worry about nothing. Pray about it. When's the last time you prayed for the governor? When's the last time you prayed for the president? When's the last time you prayed for the leaders of Santa Clara County and San Jose? Pray for it. Pray for the situation. When's the last time you fasted in prayer and said, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to eat nothing. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. You know, fasting is for your own benefit, right? It's not so you can get slim and fit and I can be, you know, it's not for that. It's so you can be more heightened spiritually and be more aware of what the Lord is trying to show you and reveal to you. Now, don't go do it and think that, again, it's not legalistic. I'm not telling you do it to do it. I'm telling you seek the Lord on the matter. But we need to pray about things. We need to pray about them. You want to see a breakthrough in your family? You want to see a breakthrough in your community? You want to see a breakthrough in your country, in your city, in your state? Pray! Pray! I'm about to start somewhere. We're going to pray. You know, I just put it out there. All I can do is set the table, right? That's all I can do. That's all my responsibility is, is to set the table, and hopefully people will come and dine. And that's what we need. We need prayer. We need prayer warriors. That's what makes movement and change is Christians, real Christians who pray. It can be that sometimes we're overthinking things, right? Worst case scenario. But we have to remember that the Almighty God will accomplish His purposes no matter what. You look at, look at the prodigal son. 
right? <laughs> he went out of his way, said, give me the money, I'm out. I'm gonna go live it up. He did everything he did. He made all the wrong choices. But God is sovereign. And even in the ignorance and the foolishness of that son, good came out of it, right? That is God being sovereign. And that young man living out his ordained time, right? A lot of times we learn from our mistakes, right? You should learn from your mistakes. You should learn when you make good mistakes too as you grow in Christ, but we learn from our mistakes. And God is gracious enough to say, you know what? Okay, let's clean you back up, get up, and let's move on. And this is what we need in the world today is more Christians who understand, I don't need to be stressed out. I'm going to go hard for Christ and I'm going to live out my ordained time doing what the Lord has called me to do. This is what Paul understood and this is what he got. Jesus brought good out of a bad situation, even in the midst of this ship, almost seemingly to go underwater and all these people drowning and it not being a good look. But the Lord brought something good out of it. All right. The third main point is this. Our relationship with Jesus Christ will affect others around us. Did you know that people around you, even people you don't know, they benefit from the fact that you're a real Christian? People benefit others around you. They, they get something out of the fact that you're a Christian. Now, you may not be some big-name preacher. You may not have this great big ministry where you're seeing droves of people come to Christ on a weekly basis. But it's not about that. It's not a numbers game. And it's definitely not about seeing yourself as a certain figure because it's all about Jesus. Whenever you see that, you know that's already all bad. When somebody's promoting themselves, <laughs> you know, some dude's got his face next to the, the name of the church. Don't go there. I wouldn't go there. That's, it just seems not right. You know, it's already bad enough that, that, you know, centuries ago we got different pictures of Jesus. I don't care if people want to say, oh, we made him with blonde hair and blue eyes, or no, Jesus is black. The reality is it's not about a skin color. It's not about none of that, man. It's not about that. And when we deceive ourselves into creating images and pictures of what we think God is and this and that, that's just a rabbit hole you don't want to go down, you know. Worship God in spirit and in truth, not in a picture frame with a pretty little face. That's just silly. That's man's tradition. That's not going to save you. You know, I'm not knocking rosaries, but that's just like a rosary you're wearing. You, you want to wear a cross, wear a cross. doesn't matter, but that's not going to save you. <laughs> just know the difference, right, between, you know, what, oh, I just like it. If you just like it, that's cool. You like it. You have the freedom and the liberty to like it. I'm just saying don't be persuaded by things that are not scriptural and not, do and not correct doctrine. Because a lot of Christians are doing stuff, but they don't really understand the correct doctrine. We got freed from the, the, the letter of the law. We're not bound to that anymore, right? So you don't got to go to some man to confess your dirty dirties. You don't got to go to someone who's sitting in a dark room and say, I did this, I did that, I'm going to do this. No, you don't got to do that, man. You just go to Jesus. Go directly to the Lord. He knows. He knows. And you can be freed right there. All right. Our relationships, right? If you're genuinely, genuinely, excuse me, walking with Jesus Christ, people will be affected by your countenance, by the way you live your life. We see this all throughout the ministry of Paul, right? But specifically here in our text this morning, you see, he, he had already warned them not to continue on this voyage. They didn't listen, all right? But now 
they are at the point where basically they, they need to throw as much stuff overboard. They're, they're just getting rid of stuff left and right so they can try to preserve their own lives, right? But this is one key factor that this crew didn't consider. The Apostle Paul was with them. Not that the Apostle Paul's special, but it's who's with the Apostle Paul. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's probably the only man, there was only a few others, because we know there was a couple other believers that were with Paul on this journey, right? But because of those few members, the Holy Spirit was rolling with that whole crew. So the hand of God was upon that ship, even though it was a hot mess on the sea. No matter how bad the storm got, they weren't going to die in it because Paul had to get to Rome. You see, sometimes people around you will be spared a terminal situation simply because they're with you and you're walking with God. I've had many experiences in my life, even when I wasn't uh, walking with God correctly. And if you want to say backslidden, backslidden, whatever, I'd say I just wasn't walking with the Lord. But the Lord spared my life. You know, I've been in car accidents where glass is broken in my face and the car's been T-boned and, you know, we came out unscathed. I've been in situations where I've been hit by cars walking, been in a coma, this and that, you know, and, and, and came out unscathed. You know, people around me not hurt. And, and, and this is, it's not, a test, it's not a testament to me. It's a testament to the hand that God was upon me. And in that instance, the people that were with me didn't get affected the way they probably would have had I not been there because God had a purpose for my life. And this is part of it. <laughs> I become a senior pastor of this church and minister the gospel. We see this in the life of Paul. All right, let's go ahead and begin to dig into these verses. So it says in verse 13, Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose... They weighed an anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But as soon as this tempestuous, tempestuous thank you. Okay, so now that Daniel's gone, Lou will be the one to correct me. <laughs> <laughs> Called the Northeaster, struck down from the land. And when the ship was, uh, was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running along the lee of a small island called Cadia. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. Okay, so basically, when the the wind started blowing softly, um, you know they were they were like, okay, now's our time. Now's our time. We can go because it's a little calmer. Because you know they were sitting ducks in this situation. They were waiting for the perfect moment for the winds to die down. The winds looked favorable, so they set out from like last week. We remember Fair Havens. They they were just beyond Crete. Um, and that's when it got nasty again. That's when it started to, to get real bad. Uh, this, this hard wind arose called, uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this wind was, was feared amongst ancient sailors because it was very destructive. It's power. I mean, it could just literally rattle these wooden boats and leave them to shreds. They were helpless to navigate with this kind of wind in their face. And all they could do was basically let it drive them. So they just had to hold on for dear life, right? Today, maybe you feel like one of these sailors did, helpless at sea. Like your circumstances are just driving you and you can't do anything about it. Maybe that's you today. If you're in that position, there's hope. There is hope. If you're a Christian and you serve the God of this universe, 
then you know that he's created the winds and the seas. And he has control and power over the winds and the seas. He has control over the circumstances in your life. You see, Jesus Christ is greater than your circumstances. Remember that. He's greater than your circumstances, as dire as they may be. The, the text goes on to say they secured the skiff with difficulty. Just real quick, the, the skiff was normally uh, towed behind the boat, if you will, uh, but it was taken aboard when the weather got really bad. They didn't want it to break. They didn't want it to get messed up, so they brought it on. They were basically shutting things down on the ship to begin to bear for the worst. It's like, okay, you know, emergency sirens going on. Like, it's getting bad. You know, uh, batten down the hatchets. We, we got we to take cover because it's going to get bad. All right. Verses 17 and 19, it says, After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship, then fearing that they would run again on the Sidorus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. This is their throwing stuff off. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. This is a big deal what they did because they they were literally fearing for their lives. Again, remember, they had so much cargo that was worth a lot of money. And for them to throw all this stuff away meant it was really bad because, again, their lives could be taken from them if they did not show up at their their appointed destination with this cargo. This was, again, it was a normal emergency measure. It helped to prevent the ship from breaking apart in a storm. I couldn't even imagine being on a a wooden ship like that and just having that thing split in two. (laughs) Split in two, that thing's going to sink, you're going down with it. Um, I don't think they had life jackets back then. So, you know, you're, you're, you're doggy paddling on some piece of wood to try to keep afloat. Um, plus, you know, I mean, you, got, you probably haven't eaten for days. It's nasty out there. I mean, there's a lot going on, right? This place called Sidorus uh, Sands. This was an infamous wrecking area of ships off the, course, or the coast excuse me, of North Africa. These elements were basically so intense... It, it, it made them go with the wind and, and giving up hope because they're like, well, we, don't, we can't control this vessel anymore. This is yet another sign that man is not in control. No matter how much we pose and posture and try to act as if we have under thing, everything under control and we have a plan and we have a direction, you know, we, we are not in control. It is God who is clearly in control. Though we tend to do all we can to navigate the story of our lives, you see, we don't control what goes on in the world. But what we do control is how we respond to the situations that come into our lives. We have full control over that. And, and that's what the Lord is trying to help us with. How we, how, how we accept the things that come into our lives, how we deal with the circumstances that can come in and could rattle you and could break you. I know that there's many of you in this room that have been through things that could have broken you, could have had you say, I'm done. I'm done with the church. I'm done with Jesus. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. This is not fair. This is not right. Do you see what happens in the church? Do you see the, the, the right? We've all been there. And you can easily point the blame and this and that. It's pretty crazy because I just heard a message this morning. You know, obviously, you know, the, 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 the speck in your brother's eye and the plank in yours. But do you know, as the church, we are supposed to restore 
a brother or sister who's fallen. Not, get out. <laughs> get out. You're not supposed to be here anymore. I can't believe this person. <laughs> really? You're not maturing Christ. You're supposed to gently restore that brother or sister. I'm not saying turn a blind eye to the sin that was committed. But there's supposed to be a restoration process. And sometimes the worst offenders are the people that say they're the most spiritual. Dude, I've heard it said, the Christian army is the only army that kicks its wounded. That's hardcore. There are people in the world that, you know, someone's down and messed up. And man, they gently, tenderly care for them and help bring them back to restoration and, 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 and bring them back to integrate into society to become the people they're to be. But as Christians, sometimes, man, we just backbite and gossip. And did you hear what that pastor did and this, this and that? Remember, I'm not saying it's right for any pastor to do anything. But, dude, a pastor's just a person. Pastors can fall and mess up all the time. They ain't no better than the person sitting in the chair. What we should be doing is saying, praying for that brother, praying for that person. You know, man, I love you. I want to see you restored. Not, man, it's been 10 years since I've seen that cat. Hope he's doing well. That ain't cool. That's not the, that's not, that's not the Christian way. It's not. It's not. That's, that's a trip. Okay. Because Paul knew and believed the Lord, Joshua 1 9. This, would, this, this verse would have resonated with him in this instance with all this craziness going on. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, I could just stop right there. Mic drop. It's over. Let's go home. I mean, it's for real. I mean, have I not commanded you? To be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. God's with you. Do you know that God, do you, do you really understand that God is with you in every moment of your life? You know, I know that it gets scary, but, but, um, but, but the word is telling you to take heart that he's with you, that you should be strong and courageous, that when you feel yourself fearful and frightened, you need to pray for strength. You need to pray for more faith. You need to pray for courage. Lord, help me to be courageous. I know it's, it's scary, but I, I, I want to be courageous. I don't want to be cower, cowering away because things are getting difficult, right? And this is what we see with the life of Paul. This is what was going on in his life, especially in this moment. Things were getting so crazy. They had to lighten the ship. They had to throw the tackle overboard and throw all, a lot of other things overboard as well. These were the final two things done to help save the ship. First, they threw over the cargo, right? Then they threw over the ship's equipment. But even this wasn't enough. The ship continued to drive in the winds for many days. It was getting crazy. It was getting hectic. All right. Verse uh, 20, it says, With neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest laid on us, all hope for our being saved was at last abandoned. Oh, okay. So it's, you know, it's, it's not good. It's not a good look. Think about it. For, for, for someone on the sea, they could only navigate with either the sun during the day or the stars at night. Many days, this storm drew them into more and more desperation. The great tempest drove them blind westward across the Mediterranean. It says that they all, 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 all sense of hope was lost. 
when we move on uh, next week, we'll see that in Acts chapter 27, verse 37, it tells us that there were actually 276 people on board, uh, both passengers and crew. They had all given up hope. They were hopeless in a hopeless situation. They had no sense of survival about to come. I couldn't even imagine being lost at sea for that extended period of time in darkness, wind, water. It's cold. There's probably feces all over the place. It's not a good look. You know, people probably, what is it, scourge or scourgy, whatever, that's some nastiness, right? It's, just, it's gross. If they had any animals on board, I mean, it just, it just wouldn't be a good look. This is crazy. No sight during the day, no sight at night. Well, think about it in our context. Apply this to our lives. With no genuine relationship to Jesus Christ, what do you think they were going to do? They had no hope. We have no hope without Jesus. All they had was false gods. None of these false gods were coming through on their behalf. So it's not hard to see how they lost hope. Again, this physical situation can be applied to spiritual matters. The application is this. When we walk through life spiritually blind, we think we're okay until a major storm hits and unleashes all hell in our lives. If then we are broken enough, we will realize that we are blind, wretched, poor, and naked, that we can't control our lives and ourselves. We'll submit, we'll ask for forgiveness, we'll be reconciled with God, and all will be well. It will, it will begin at that point. You see, but it's quite easy to remain in that state unless we heed to that still small voice that God will speak to us and try to point us in the right direction. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 tells us, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. I love that. But that happens when we come to a place where we recognize we're, we don't have things in control and we need Him to help us to, to take control of our lives. And, and that's what we see here in the text. This is what's going on with these men. They're in the midst of their storm and now they're going to eventually have a choice. Who are they going to serve? Are they going to continue to serve these false gods and these false ideas of who they believe God is? Or will they submit and follow uh, the God that Paul serves? Okay, moving on to verses 21 and 22. It says, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you have, should have listened to me and have not set sail for Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. It's okay. It's okay. It's not a big deal. We're not going to reprimand you because your phone's going off. <laughs> All right. It says, a long obstinence from food. So they went without food for a long time. But you see, you know, they weren't going without food, as I was talking about earlier, because they were fasting. No, they, 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 were, they were forced to abstain from food because of the poor conditions and because of seasickness and the scarcity of food on the ship. There was nothing else for them to do. You know how it is. You go into the, if you ever go into the cupboard and it's bare, or you go into the refrigerator when it's bare, you don't eat. You know, I've heard of people making you know, uh, may mayonnaise sandwiches and whatnot because it's like they ain't got no food. There's no food in that house. When there's no food, you can't eat. There wasn't food. It was nasty. They were in a bad situation, so they weren't eating. They weren't eating. All right, next it says, Paul reminded them, man, y'all should have listened to me. 
godly counsel. This is kind of one of those I told you so moments, but it wasn't done to spite them. It wasn't done to spite them. Right. He had the wisdom that they should have listened. They didn't listen. But he told them, like, this is what these are the consequences of you guys not listening to me. These are the consequences of not taking godly counsel to heart. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20 says, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. How much would we benefit if we took heed to the warnings in the Bible and applied them to our lives? It's already bad enough you're going to go through all kind of pain as it is. Don't you want to lessen that unnecessary pain by not making stupid decisions and foolish choices? I mean, it's just real, right? I've been through it. We've all been through it. When you make dumb choices, you incur more problems upon your life than you need. It's like, you know, I, people could say, yeah, you know, it runs in my family. And, you know, that's why, you know, I have, I, I have type 1 diabetes, this and that. But, dude, if you're eating hostess and hoagies and cupcakes and ice cream and sundaes and always got Skittles in your pocket, it's like you're making choices that you're bringing that upon you at a far more rapid pace. You need to learn some restraint. (laughs) Try not to be eating candy all throughout the day, every day, all day, and maybe that'll help your blood sugar go down. You don't got to drink Coke every day. right? You know, they said something. I think it's probably true. If you cut out soda out of your diet completely, by 35%, you lower your risk of, of, of getting diabetes. That's crazy. So if you're going to have sugar, have a king-size Snickers. Don't have a Coca-Cola. Because <laughs> it breaks down slower in your body, right? That the, the, the Coke is like crack. It just hits your bloodstream like that, and you're done. So, you know, take the sugar in more slowly. You'll be okay. All right. Paul says, I urge you to take heart. As a messenger of God, Paul wanted to bring hope to those passengers and crew who had given up all hope. Right? That's what people of God do. They bring hope to a hopeless situation. In your sphere of influence, you bring hope to people who are hopeless. Maybe they don't act like they're hopeless because right now they're loving their sin. Everybody knows sin is pleasurable, right? If it wasn't pleasurable, no one would do it. Sin, yeah, sin is super fun for a season, and then it reaps death spiritually and physically. So maybe you might be like, well, there's nobody who seems hopeless around me, and I've been living for God for years. Well, you know what? They haven't hit a brick wall yet. When they hit that brick wall, if you're still alive, you're going to be that vessel that's going to be used or should be used to administer hope to them because they're in a hopeless place, a hopeless situation. There will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. This was great news for them. But again, a mixed message in the sense that they knew that I'm responsible. (laughs) I'm responsible for these prisoners. I'm responsible for this cargo. So maybe for some of them, they were like, man, I don't know if I want to die at the hands of this storm or die at the hands of Caesar because I'm I'm supposed to be taking these prisoners. Man, I'm going to be one of those prisoners in that Colosseum getting eaten up by a lion. So the, it, it was difficult for some of them to comprehend this. Again, many of these people are looking through what Paul's saying through a physical lens. They're not looking at through a, through a spiritual lens. So they can't really understand these spiritual truths right now in this moment. The application is this. When we make it out of a situation, when we lost material possessions but kept our lives, we should be driven to our knees in gratefulness to God for sparing us. When we escape death, 
and we are more concerned about what physical things we have lost, we clearly miss the message that God was trying to send our way. And, and I, again, I spoke about that. There's things in my personal life that have happened to me where I've lost many material things. I've lost a lot of things, but I've gained spiritual life. And I'm so grateful that the Lord allowed me to go through those situations because I was a knucklehead. And, 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 it, and it took extreme situations for me to understand that God is real and that God is not playing games with me and that he has a set course for my life and that he was going to allow all these things to be stripped and ripped from me in order for me to get it and finally when I when I got it okay I'm not getting hit by cars anymore <laughs> I'm not I'm not getting in car accidents I'm not going through all these crazy things because the Lord's like, okay yeah you're 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 with the right crowd of people you're doing the right thing you're with me and, 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 and that's what I'm saying is that we shouldn't be concerned about so much of the material things. If you've made it out of a life and death situation and you still have your life, praise God that he's given you your health and he's given you a clean bill to live because that's something that cannot be replaced. A car can be replaced. A house can be replaced. A soul cannot be replaced. Even a body part can be replaced, but not your soul. All right, last few verses, 23 through 26. It says, For this very night there stood before me, this is Paul speaking, obviously, there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. That is very important. If you're into writing things down or underlining, underline that in your, your Bible. He said, the God of whom I belong and who I worship. It wasn't just a distant God. He said, I belong to God. How many of us can say with confidence today, I belong to God. I belong to God. I'm a child of God. I'm not a child of the United States of America. I enjoy this country very much, but this country does not dictate or, 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 or demand to me what I do. It's, it's God because I'm a child of God. He says, I belong to God, this God who I worship. He says, and this angel said to me, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been told. But we must run aground on some island. Okay, we go back to stood by me or stood before me, this angel in the nighttime. Uh, God sent this angelic messenger to Paul to bring some good encouraging news when all seemed hopeless. Uh, this now wasn't a direct appearance of Jesus Christ as happened to him in, on the Damascus road, but it was an angel of God. God's word came to Paul at different points with different messages at different times. This is very important to not miss. He's gotten different revelations of God from different times for different circumstances. The application is this. Every Christian will have a relationship with God. That's important. We know that, right? We all have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The only way Paul could have been given a different word from God at different times is if he had a real, genuine, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And for us, there's the same as for us. There's no different, right? I couldn't get up here and preach every week if I didn't have the Holy Spirit living in me. If I didn't have the revelation of God to understand and rightfully divide His Word. I don't have that kind of wisdom apart from God. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't, go, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't do all these things. When, when you stand before someone and say, uh, you know, you share Jesus with them, how do you think you do it? Some of you people are like, the last thing you want to do is talk to anybody, let alone someone you don't know, and tell them about Jesus. What? But when you do that, aren't you amazed of how, how do the words come out of my mouth? How did, how did the, 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 
the, the scripture just appeared to me. How did I remember? It's because you have a relationship with God. And he gives you the right words. And sometimes it's just a simple gesture. Sometimes it's just the way you look. A kind smile, right? There's so many people that just nasty nowadays. Dirty looks, frowning, this and that. Driving, flipping you off all the time. It's like a kind gesture just goes a long ways. Just goes a long way. When's the last time you've seen a young man open the door for someone? Is that like a lost art? People don't do that anymore. It's very rare to see someone actually open the door for someone. Now, especially... <laughs> there, well, there you go. There you go. You guys are old school. You know, especially nowadays, right, with the whole coronavirus. People don't want to... I can just stay away from me. <laughs> stay away. It's like, man, you just become so desensitized to just interaction with, with each other. It's just... It's sad. But anyways, okay, back to relationship with God. This is how you're going to get revelation. Yes, this is true. Okay, uh, it says, an angel of God to whom I belong to and whom I serve. This is also very important. The angelic presence was an encouragement, and this was very important. Paul remembered that he belonged to God and that he served God. God never forgets those who belong to him and who serve him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 tells us, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation, foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows who, whose are His. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. That's beautiful. He knows you. If you're His, He knows you. And He's going to keep you. And He's going to keep on reminding you. Gently, sometimes a little more harder. <laughs> but He's going to keep reminding you. If you've been like, man, why does this keep nagging? Why do I keep not getting this right? Yeah, I go through that a lot. Why do I keep not getting this right? Lord's like, dude, you're not supposed to do that. You know, but he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get my attention because he loves you, because he knows you're his. And that's a good thing. We talk about this a lot in this church. Conviction is great. Conviction's a beautiful thing. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever, don't ever think you're okay because you don't feel convicted anymore. If you don't feel convicted anymore, you're in a dangerous position spiritually. That means your heart has become callous to the things of God, and you don't hear correctly anymore. You're so immersed in your flesh that you don't even hear the voice of God. And that's so sad. Don't be in that position. You see, he's going to keep you. But again, this doesn't mean that everything is going to go easy because you belong to God and you serve him. Paul's present situation proves that this is true. But it does mean that God's watchful eye and Active care are always going to be present in any kind of calamity you're going to face. You see, Paul was encouraged by the angel, and then he was able to encourage others to say, don't be afraid. It makes me think of 1 John 4.18. I love, I love that verse as well. Perfect love casts out all fear. Who's perfect love? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ casts out all fear. So whenever you fear fearful, you need to say that verse. One of the best things you could do is pray verses. You don't even got to come up with anything. Just pray the verse. Pray the verse, Lord. Perfect love casts out all fear. Man, you start getting hyped up. I'll start doing push-ups. I'm like tripping out like, dude, it's real. But, but I'm serious. You know, praying verses is super important. And Paul was on this hype. He's like, I understand. I get it. Paul, uh, the Lord, you've revealed this to me. I believe it is true. I trust in you. And this is what Paul was experiencing. There was reason for Paul to, to hear this. He needed to hear this. He, he, in some ways, was afraid of the storm, at least some of the time. 
But in his strong moments, Paul knew that he would make it to Rome. He remembered and he, he, he hung on to the promises that God provided for him. The application is this as the worship team comes up and we begin to, to close out this, uh, this sermon. The application is this. You can't give others what you don't have yourself already. This is why it's so important for us to have a healthy, working relationship with Jesus Christ off the bat. You see, how can we influence others if we are lacking in the very same thing we are trying to tell other people about? You can't. If you don't have Christ, if you're not living a fruitful, good, vibrant, interactive relationship with Jesus... Your words are going to fall on deaf ears. You'll have no effect because they don't see it. They don't see it in the fruit of your life. You see, we serve a God of order. This is the same reason for verses like Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, you can't, you can't serve effectively in ministry if your family's not in order. Your first Ministry is your family. Get that right. Get your relationship with God right. Then get your relationship with your family right. Then you're going to see the fruit in the other things. And I'll say personally, it's become very easy for me to, 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 to be used to, to servant lead this church because the Lord is constantly drilling me on my relationship with my wife and my kids. That's where all the hard work, that's where all the heavy lifting is right there. If I have a crummy time there, it's going to be extra crummy here. If I can get it right there, even though I make plenty of mistakes, it's going to be a whole lot better here. And that's how it is for all of us. Your family life is not going to look perfect, but you should be constantly working at it, right? Constantly work at your relationship with God, and you will see the fruit in your lives. Amen? All right, I'm going to share one last thing, and then I'll let them take over. He says, indeed, I've granted you all who sailed with you safe passage. This implies that Paul sought God for safety, for the safety of everyone on the ship, right? He already had a promise of his own safety, but that wasn't enough for Paul, right? He labored in prayer for the safety and the blessings of others who were not yet believers. I'll end with this. When you intercede for others around you, they will be affected in their good because of what you've done. You see, there are many instances that others have been spared simply because you are a true follower of Jesus Christ. May you not forget that, that you have influence, that you make an impact in the lives and the people around you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again just for, for your, your, your love for us, Lord, your care for us, the fact that you protect us and you watch over us in the storms of life. Lord, may we never forget where our hope comes from. May we continue to draw from your strength. And Lord, may we continue to give you all honor and glory, excuse me, and praise that you deserve. Father, we thank you and love you. It's in Jesus Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.